Welcome to Blue Lightning Healing Meditations. My name is Susie Parker Goins. I'm a channel, so I bring forward your guides so you can connect more easily with them, allowing you to have soul-deep conversations with them whenever you want. I'm also an energy healer, past life explorer, a teacher. My goal is to empower you by teaching you these techniques that you can use on your own. We work together to find and identify the blockages to your growth and release them, inviting you to explore your possibilities. I'm available for phone and virtual sessions, and with Washington opening up, I'll be at many of the in-person events. The best way to contact me is Susie, that's S-U-S-Y, Susie at BlueLightningHealing.com. Visit BlueLightningHealing.com for up-to-date information. Blessings. Welcome right. to Blue Lightning Healing Meditations. My name is Susie Parker Goins. I'm a channel energy healer and guide, and I have very cool friends in my circle. Kelly Martin is one of them. She is an animal communicator that I met at Blue Moon Spirit, wasn't it? Okay. Yeah, about three years ago. Yeah, and Kelly's an animal communicator, and I've got her here today so that we can talk about animal communication and what she does and how it helps. And Kelly. Hello, everyone. Hi, Susie. Thank you so much for me being here. This has been great. Hi, I'm Kelly Martin. Kelly with a Y, M-A-R-T-I-N. I'm a pet psychic. I can talk to your animals. I can hear what they're saying. They can be on this side. They can be crossed over. And every animal's different. They're all usually here to teach us a lesson or guide us or protect us. Everyone is different, just like we're all different. We all have our different gifts and different missions. They're here to help us individually. And that's what I'm here to help you kind of bridge that gap. And a lot of us can communicate with our animals. We just don't know it. A lot of times, like, for example, if you walk into the kitchen and your dog's with you and all of a sudden you have this urge to give them a piece of chicken, that's, <laughs> that's them saying, hey, I want chicken. And they do it telepathically. And they sometimes use that to their advantage with when they know that people can't understand them, they play that trick a lot. That's kind of a funny part for my experience with animals. Like I said, I, my, when I do readings for people, I help people with behavioral issues, also for things. I can't fix any behavioral issues. I just have to put it out there first. I would love to be able to just wave a magic wand and instantly your dog or cat behave, but unfortunately that's not how it works. And also they're here to teach you that particular lesson. So if I do it for you, you won't learn that lesson. It's like cheating on a test. You don't learn the information by looking on someone's paper. So you have to do the work yourself. That's something that happens not only with animals, but with people. You can't yeah. just fix them. I wish I could. I'm also a professional dog groomer. I've been a groomer for five years and I would love it if they behaved instantly. Might make my job so much easier as a groomer, but I still get bit. I still get scratched and they still give me the look of, oh, please don't do this to me. Even though they know they're in a good place, they know they're safe and they're comfortable. They have other stuff they'd rather do. I call it dog stuff or like they have dog stuff to go to go, go to nap or squirrel and <laughs> like me, but they'd rather be with their people because they're here to be with their people. Right. And they also play this sad sappy card. I work at a veterinary hospital. A lot of dogs pretend like, oh, you're hurting me. This is so painful. And they play the huge drama. I have a couple of drama queens that come in. They, I touch and they go, ah! They scream bloody murder, but I'm not hurting them. They know it. A lot of times after they realize that it's not working with me, they give up. And usually it's make mom and dad feel bad for what, did, what I'm doing to them. How did you come into this? I mean, you started out as a pet groomer, if I understand our conversations right. And then so yeah. how did you flow into animal communication? When did you figure out that that was what you could do? It's something I kind of tapped into probably about 15, 20 years ago. I grew up in Ohio. I'm a Midwest kid. And I grew up in a, I call muggle household where... 
the magical world wasn't really a thing, but I was always that weird kid that was into the spiritual, the supernatural. I'd watch all the supernatural shows, X-Files, Highlander, all that stuff. And I always loved animals. I was obsessed with animals. I would watch all the animal shows. I would go to my family's farm and play with all the animals. I'd get up super early just to go play with the cats. And I always knew I was really connected with animals. They always were drawn to me. They always liked me. Even if they didn't like other people, they liked me. And I didn't really think much about it. And then about right out of high school when I started going to college I was kind of finding myself spiritually and I found a pagan group to come into and I and they're like you know you're really connected with animals I would tell them things about their dog that no one else could possibly have known and I was like oh interesting and I would go to a psychic fairs in Ohio and no one really told me that I had this gift I went to an animal communicator and she was telling me things about my cat I was like okay that makes sense but I didn't really think much about it I could hear animals from my friends and I things I grew up in Dayton and I moved to Columbus is about two two hours away from between each other so I stopped doing a lot of animal stuff because I also worked at a horse farm I I rode horses for 20 some years. I did dressage and stuff like that. And I cleaned stalls and taught lessons. And same thing, the horses were just very drawn. And I'd walk up to the barn and they'd start calling like, hey, hey, she's coming. Because it's time for them to get food and go out to the pasture and have their recess time and stuff. So then my my dad passed away and I moved to Columbus. And then my mom passed away. She kind of helped me tap into the spiritual side for me again. Because when she passed away, I got this urge to call her. And I didn't know why. It's like, why do I need to call her all of a sudden? And I called her and... And she didn't pick up. It went straight to voicemail. Then the voicemail box was full. And deep down, I said, there's something not right. Then I messaged her on Facebook. Nothing messaged me. I thought, okay, something's really wrong. I looked on her Facebook page. She hadn't posted anything. I thought, okay, that's really strange. She lived on Facebook after she retired. And so then I called my brother who was out here in Washington saying something's wrong. And he thought I was being a nervous Nelly or just just paranoid. But then my uncle went to go check on her and found out she had passed. So she really talked to me and said, hey, she wanted me to know it it would have been me. I I would have found her a few days later. It was around her birthday and I was going to go visit her for her birthday, but she didn't want me to find her. She wanted my uncle to find her. That made me realize I'm really connected spiritually. And that set me on a huge change. Two months after she passed away, I found the dog I have now, cute little black lab named Lucy. She's my little mascot for my animal communication stuff. I, I was working in food service jobs. I was working at grocery stores and then I worked at Chipotle for a few months and I, I was just miserable and I was I was severely depressed and I was slowly kind of coming out of it at the time. I was with an extremely emotionally abusive boyfriend who I would say probably borderline psychopath and narcissist. Oh. Okay. And unfortunately with them, they're very good at manipulating people. And my parents yeah. were both alcoholics. So I grew up in a very kind of a toxic environment. And so if they weren't bad people, they weren't happy with their life. And unfortunately I was I don't know. It was just, it was a whole long story. So I kind of grew up with that house. So when I moved to Columbus, I went through a major life shift and I got my dog. And that's where I realized I need to have a job in animals. I need to pursue that passion. I've always had a passion for it. And I just felt this big calling, like, this is what you need to do. I quit my job at Chipotle, cold turkey. I never did that my entire life. I applied for all these different jobs, but I had a trouble getting a job at a vet clinic or places I didn't have the experience that they were looking for. So I thought, well, maybe I'll swallow my pride and get a job at PetSmart as a cashier. It's not really what I want to do, but at least it's my foot in the door. So I applied within probably 24, 40 hours. I got a response. I went in for an interview and I nailed the job. And it was great because of my experience with working with the horses at the horse farm. They love that because it means I understood animals and I understood liability. I understood what it means to work with someone else's animals. And they really appreciate that. So I got hired on as a cashier and I thrived because I'm kind of an animal encyclopedia. I know a lot about different dog breeds. 
I just had a little puppy. So I was up to date on the puppy stuff. And so I really helped people and it made me feel good about really helping people. And I thought, wow, this is great. As I kind of came in, I really had this call to move out to Washington. My brother was living out here and he said, if I go about a week after my mom passed away, he planted the seed of you should come out here. And I thought, well, let me think about it. And I got stronger and I went to my relative's farm in Indiana. They have a huge farm where they grow corn and soybean and have those big tractors the size of houses. And I would go out there every summer as a kid and go horseback riding and play with the cats. And, and I went out there and I was talking to my second cousin's wife. He's like, no, you, she's like, she kind of reiterated, you should really move out to Seattle. And I drove home that day. I thought the whole entire time it was like a four hour drive between them and home. And I realized this is where I need to go. And I made the decision. So I came out a few months later to kind of scout things out. I realized it was perfect because I worked at PetSmart. I would be able to transfer oh. to a PetSmart out here. So I thought, wow, this is great. I came out around Christmas time and I scouted out different PetSmarts. There's one Renton, one Shoreline, and then one downtown Bellevue. And I went to the downtown Bellevue one. It would just seem like a good fit had a hotel which is great because i could take my dog there for day camp and then they had a, oh, a puppy lawn. hotel yeah they have a dog hotel oh how fun okay yeah and it's great because they also have day camp too so you can drop your dogs off so they can go play and interact while you're at work and my dog was just about a year old so she had lots of lab energy so yeah. i would take her there and it's great for socializing too they learn the process of trusting you with being away they understand that you'll pick them up so it's a good way to where they don't learn to completely can depend on you for attention and they, they learn distance and stuff this Bellevue Passport and they even talked about me possibly going to the hotel and maybe going into the grooming salon and oh. I thought wow this is great so I thought there was just so many more opportunities a month later I transferred out started at Passport as a cashier and once again they loved me because I could do things without being told which is kind of a rare thing I guess nowadays I would clean the registers and stuff and then about a month later I went into the grooming salon as a bather so I learned how to bathe and wash dogs and all that stuff and then I became a groomer year later and once again I really felt connected to animals I was really drawn all the the experience of groomers were like well you're a natural at this and I still kind of knew that there was something and I was slowly coming back into that spiritual side I was looking for my soul tribe and I first started with like a board game group didn't quite fit and then I went down to Crescent Moon they had a monthly pagan meetup and that's when I thought oh this is great and I heard of a reader there named Mary Beckman I was like oh that's interesting and I felt this drawn to go talk to her and I never met her and I just happened to go down and this is also right after I bought the house I have now and it was kind of an independent house for me because my brother was very controlling and wanted to make decisions for me and this house I'm in now was was my first decision said, no, this is what I want. Cause he thought I was being impulsive. This was the first house I looked at and he thought, Oh no, this isn't for you. Like, no, this is for me. And I knew it. I, I stuck to my guns and it was my first of my first way of me setting on my own path, so to speak, and, yeah. and being who I really am. But anyway, I went to Crescent Moon. Crescent Moon is a great metaphysical shop. It's a lot of fun. They have classes, great events. And they had one event where all the readers that come for, for a day and I was walking around and Mary Beckman just happened to be there. And I sat down with her. I was like, Oh my God, I want to talk to you. I mentioned her like, oh, people said I could be a medium. And I've gone to other psychic events and they said, oh, you could be a medium. You could be a psychic. And, and I was like, well, I've also been very connected for animals. And she's like, you know, you're a pet psychic. And she says, I've only come across three other people like you that are that connected to the animals. And I was just like, wow, because I'm I'm not used to being like the center of attention and, and really good at things. I'm always the other kid. And I was kind of taken aback. I'm like, wow. 
And she recommended me go to Lou J's Psychic Showcase on Tuesdays at IHOP. And I was like, yeah, okay. So I went to one, actually about almost three years ago, exactly. I went to my first one and I finally felt like, oh, wow, this is where I fit in. And I talked to Mary and I started growing and I realized I'm, I'm not only a pet psychic, I can do other things too. I, I can channel, I can talk to other guys and angels. I know my main focus is with the pets and the animals. I feel like that's my main mission here, my soul mission. I started going to the Blue Moon Fairs. That's how I found out about them. That's where I met Susie. I also met my good friend, Lola. Actually, Lola Singer is the reason why I went to the Blue Moon Fair. I met her at the second Lou Jay's showcase. Um, her and Jeffrey St. Rose were there to do a music performance. And I remember they sat at this one booth and I felt this strong, like I need to sit with them, even though I had never met them. There was something about them that really connected. Then Lola came up to me and she's like, do I know you? I'm like, no. And we realized our souls recognize each other. Oh, that's so, so cool. Yeah. And it was just such a really great event. Like we just like had that tingly moment, like, oh my God, this is where I need to be. And that's when I went to the Bloomin' Fair and I really got to know Jeff a lot more. I had another friend that who was also a healer. I kept going to the psychic showcase on Tuesdays. That was kind of my Tuesday thing. And I really found my group. And then I got to be on a panel a few months later with the animal communication stuff. So for a while, I was really nervous about being a reader because I don't want to mess up. And I, I second guess myself. Some other pet psychics were kind of making me nervous about it. Not to bash other pet psychics, but I think sometimes someone new comes in, they almost see you as a threat or like yeah. there's this new kid in town. And people tend to underestimate me because I'm very quiet and very reserved. But I, I notice everything. I see everything. I pay attention, but I used to just sit back and just observe. I don't say anything. So when sometimes yeah. when I open my mouth, people are shocked <laughs> what I say because <laughs> I'm, I'm very, very reserved sometimes. But yeah, then eventually I got to be on the panel and I got to go to the psychic fairs. I think the first psychic fair was the Blue Moon Fair I did. Yeah. And that was a great way to get me out and get me used mm -hmm. to it. I mean, also before I did that, I went to the MeWe fairs and I remember I had reading with you, Susie, and yeah. you channeled one of my guides and they were like, what the hell are you doing? Stop being a visitor. You need to sit here. And I remember so clearly it was just oh, like dude. they were saying like what the hell what are you doing and <laughs> and all the other readers were like yeah come on so they sat down with them. And I kind of laughed. I'm like, yeah. And I, I know it's that push. And I'm kind of person sometimes I need to be backed in the corner and like push forward to really get me to do things sometimes. And I was also coming out of my healing and it was really coming out of myself. So it was still kind of said, I'm not used to being the center of attention and all eyes on me and saying, no, you should do this. That day I sat down with another pet psychic and she really helped me. She sat down and she showed me pictures of her animals and I got to read them and I realized, oh, okay. And it got me building my confidence up. And I was okay. nervous the first two fairs. Am I doing this right? But yeah. then people come back to me and they realize I could hear the animals. And now I, I don't question it. I know I can hear it. Even now being a dog groomer and understanding it, it's great. It's really helped me as my gifts. I've grown a lot this past year. I hang out with a lot with um, Jeffrey St. Rose and yeah. uh, Billy and Kelly Keller and Mary Beckman. They've all helped me grow so much. Um, every month they go to Jeffrey St. Rose's house for Ascension activation where we open up our gifts and it's really helped. And that's where I practice doing my other psychic stuff for my other guides and angels and fairies come in. And I went to one yesterday and now I can see things I didn't see before. And and also learning like the purposes of animals. I've also come to see that when I do a lot of readings, people whose familiars want to be known, a familiar is an animal spirit guide as it's a spirit guide in an animal form. And we all have one. Every single one of us have one, even if we don't know it. Those are the ones I draw on. And as I do more readings, I realize I really want to help the familiars have a voice. And, and there's a few things you find in a few books, but they kind of get some of the information wrong, but there's also not much information out there. And I know 
know in the future, I'm supposed to write a book about familiars. Oh. And I know that's going to come out. I also want to help people find the right animals because a lot of people go out and they watch a movie or TV show and say, I want that dog. And they go get one and realize it wasn't the right dog for them. And there's nothing wrong with any of the breeds. They're all fantastic, but they're so individual and they're bred for specific things. I used to want a Husky. When, after working with them at the grooming salon, I realized I don't want a Husky anymore. <laughs> I don't, I don't run. I'm not a runner. I never have been. And I don't want to start running. So, and those are very highly active dogs that are yeah. bred to pull sleds and slay. So they yep. need that energy. And I just don't have that, right. that time. So a lab for me is perfect. They do have a lot of energy, but after a long walk, they're usually good. And they're usually listen a lot better than yeah. a Husky. Huskies argue with you a lot. That's, <laughs> you helped me with the dog. I had asked you to tune in and you said, what was it? You said he was in Houston. And of course I balked saying, I'm not driving down to Texas, <laughs> but you helped us. Did you get it down to his color? I don't know. But I don't think it, I just, well, got, yeah, I, heard, I remember I, seen, I heard he was coming from Texas. And then you, you asked me again, and I'm like, then it said Oregon. I'm like, I know it said Texas, but now it's saying Oregon. I think that's just kind of weird but i learned to trust in what it comes through because it as you know as a reader sometimes yeah. like this stuff doesn't make sense what i'm saying yeah but it's what comes through that's a big step for readers when mm -hmm. they actually stop questioning it when i started yeah. with my guides i was really really and you could just see them over in the corner going oh sweet mother of pearl just just <laughs> just do it just do it ultimately we're able to manifest what my daughter calls a great american black dog trying to communicate with them. Dogs don't talk. They don't use words, do they? It depends. Every dog is different. And that's, I think one reason my gifts have really grown these past two years is because I work at a veterinary hospital and a, I, I'm a dog groomer and I work upstairs away from everybody. Mm -hmm. So I can just focus in on the dogs. And it's been really great for me to talk to each individual dog and everyone is different. Some can speak full sentences. If you ever talk to my dog, she'll speak almost full sentences to you like a person. Sometimes she gets the words wrong, kind of throws you off. She's the one I use the example for like manipulating people because like she'll go into people's dreams and tell them like, hey, I want this. And she's very specific about what she once and you think oh this doesn't seem right but i'll sit and talk to her and she'll say something and she'll make a snarky comment I'm like oh my god i start laughing and some dogs will speak full sentences but as they tell me it's like physically they don't have the ability to speak like we do right. but some of them can the more they're around people or just like us the more advanced they are the more the older souls they can talk but then there's also some dogs who speak in pictures and images and um there's some dogs who go by emotions like i'm also extremely empathic i can feel their energy i can feel their shifter energy which has also been beneficial. If I have a dog that's a little sensitive, I can usually tell when they're about to bite or when they've had too much because I've learned that back and stop. I also sometimes relate images to them. If I'm going to do something, if I have a new puppy on my grooming table, I'll have an image of like picking up the clippers and the buzzing sound. And they'll have an image of me picking up their paw and then I'll pick up their paw and I'll, I'll shave up their paw pads. So that's kind of how I communicate. And, and cats are kind of the same thing. Some speak in full sentences. Cats are interesting. Some are real chatty. Some are just like, I don't know you. I don't want to talk to you. Yeah. And then sometimes I'll go up into the, the cats that boarded at my work and I'll go to like, hi, how you doing? They'll be like, don't talk to me. And I step back. My cat says animals like me is because I respect their boundaries. When they say step back, uh, I say, oh, okay. Animals like it when you respect them as equals. Okay. Like you don't look down on them like, oh, that's a dog or that's a cat. They like uh, it. Like that's the cat or the dog. 
or my dog, my cat, because okay. it makes me feel like they're equal to us. And you can still be the alpha. Well, at least the dog, they want you to be in charge, but yeah. it makes them feel yeah. better and equal and, and you respect their boundaries. So when someone says, oh, my dog is sensitive, step back and say, okay, thanks. And, and walk away. And I've seen people say like, oh, my dog is sensitive. And people stand there and continually talk to their, this dog. I'm like, you need to step back. You need to leave them alone. You're giving them too much attention. And it makes them nervous and anxious. And that's where dogs sometimes learn to bite and oh. get emotional. Just And they can, even though like you're not petting them, they can feel your energy and you can feel that. can't think of the right word off the top of my head, but they can feel you that you're connecting with them and they want it to be away. So, because I mean, yeah. animals, the one thing I've learned is they're much more aware of their surroundings or they're aware of energy. They see things that we don't. I have different beings come through my house sometimes and my dog will jump up and bark at them like, hey, there's something there. And I'm always like, is it going to hurt you? No. Okay. You're fine. Usually if my cat doesn't react, I don't care. Cats yeah. are good, are good detectors of anything good or bad. And cats are great too, because they're natural guardians. I, I think one reason yes. people have used them throughout the centuries is because they keep away all of those bad entities that try to come in. They might look like little cats. I'm laughing because my cats look at me right now like, yep, you got it right. That's <laughs> me. <laughs> he's laying on the patio outside my door right now. He's just enjoying life. Yep. But cats may look like they're little, but they're big animals and little bodies. I've seen cats yeah. tell thousand pound horses what to do and the horses listen. And horses Horses are the same thing. Horses also communicate with pictures and sentences. And, and they're another animal that likes to manipulate people because a lot of people don't work with them like we used to. Okay. So they like to play games with people. They like to do things to people to get them to do things for them. They also like to cheat. If you put a saddle on a horse and tighten their girth, they'll stick their tummies out. They call bloat. Well, the saddle won't be as tight. So that's why you have to check it before you get on because they try to get away with things that they know they shouldn't. I've seen horses try to untie themselves on a, a rope. I also used to work with a jousting troop um, at a Renaissance festival a long time yeah. ago a lot of the horses would learn how to get away with things we had one horse that he learned that during the jousting shows he could do whatever he wanted because the riders that would not get after him like normal because they didn't want non-horse people thinking that they abused their horses they don't abuse right. their horse at all but no. non-horse people may not understand that right. and they don't want a bad reputation out there that they abuse their horses because they want to be able to go to these festivals and do shows so this horse figured that out and so during the shows he bucks and kicks and acts up and is a real little shit but, but then in between shows he's fine easy going he still likes to play games with people like he'll step on your foot and if you react and scream he puts more pressure on but oh. if you don't react like get off he's like oh that's boring and gets off you know nothing to really hurt anybody is testing you to see how much you're paying attention yeah. kind of thing but then each animal is different the way they communicate when looking for an animal it is or a pet you talking about horses i just went oh yeah they're animals too <laughs> but i tend to be yeah. focused on pet communicators so animal communication do i have met someone who would give messages like she said this is message from skunk or from other things is that something that you're comfortable doing i've always had these gifts i've always been able to do it and especially this past year i've talked to my mother in spirit and she's told yeah. me that the reason she had a trouble with me growing up is because as a three or four year old i would say things that would not make sense for a four-year-old to say i would the, the phone would ring and i would know who's calling or i would talk to somebody who wasn't there and in, in her mind she would freak out and even the animals I look back I've always been able to hear them and talk to them I just didn't know what it was no one showed me what it was or what it could do so I had no clue now looking back I realized I played with fairies as kids I could see fairies I could see all sorts of things um the house I lived in was my grandparents house they built it my grandmother passed away before I was born now I realized I talked to her when I was a little kid but I never realized it was her I never realized it was I just thought I was talking to myself and being crazy because in my family my brothers completely
completely closed in. Both my parents were closed in. So I was the only weirdo. It's like, talk about coming into, like, when you choose your families here, like, I definitely chose a family who was completely opposite for me. So also coming to the metaphysical fairs and finding my soul family, it's really exciting because now I can talk about all the weird stuff and not look like I'm a freak. Yeah, isn't that <laughs> so eye-opening and heart-opening where you think, yeah. I can say this stuff and nobody's looking at me like, let's just... <laughs> Anybody got 911 on your phone here? Let's call. Yeah, that yeah. I love going to those events because then you can see, okay, I'm actually and, normal here and out yeah. of the muggle world. Yeah, I, I use Harry Potter. Harry Potter is great because it's a great reference for me. And even if you read Harry Potter, the very first book, he could do things that he didn't know why. He like they yeah. would cut his hair and the hair would instantly grow back. Or yeah, his his, his cousin would chase him all of a sudden be on the roof he didn't know why and yeah. so he also always had these abilities and we all are gifted and yeah i'm not any more special than anybody else i i want to put it out there i'm very talented and gifted what i do but it's not coming from ego and not saying i'm better than everybody it's just i've stepped into who yeah. i really am and knowing that it's okay to say i'm good at what i do i'm very proud of what i can do and i'm and i also feel very blessed and fortunate and i've been through, through some horrible times when i look back now I'm very grateful for them because it got to me to hear. Um, I was talking with my friend Jeff last week and we were talking about all of our choices we, we were planning and our life choices. And he was telling me, he's like, he would plan on going to Tacoma, but then if he didn't come up here, he would never have met his partner, Billy. If you ever know Jeffrey right. St. Rose and Billy yeah. St. Rose, they're just two peas in a pod. They fit together. And yeah. Jeff, actually, this is his artwork back here on the wall. One oh his, yeah. I've got his deck. He's, he's one of my soul, soul tribe members and he's just such a great individual and he's really helped me build up my gifts and really helped me yeah. step into who I am. And he's like, yeah, you're very special. And they have, and that's another thing. The first activation I went to their house, I realized I was really special. Cause I remember like they, they do these monthly activations at their house where you sit in this, this chair surrounded by crystals and Jeff channels from his guys to help you open up your gifts. I did the first one. And, and then after we're done, we all read what came through for that person. And Billy's was like, all these animals were around you, Kelly, like this whole menagerie of animals. And he's like, yeah, this meerkat kept standing up. So like, I'll, I'll contest to that. And, and it was actually really funny. He's like, they'd never seen anything like it. All the animals coming to me. And a lot of my activations are very animal oriented and animal uh -huh. things. And, but they have this little entity and a bunny. Her name is Bunny St. Rose. Yeah. And that's where like, it's, it's kind of hard for muggles to believe that this little stuffed bunny has an entity, but she is a who, I mean, oh, yeah. she, she has a full personality. She's very special, very gifted. And she's like, you're better than everybody else. And you're, you're really good at this and you should get out there. And she also gave me that nudge to go do readings. And that's when I realized I'm very special at this. And I also want to help my guests and I help other people open up and realize that they can talk to their animals too. What would be a first step somebody could take to open up? Because, you know, trying to talk to Cosmo, I, I understand he bonded with Joe and my daughter first. And I got that. And and I know in order to get him, I had to let go of our Doberman. Yeah like best dog ever. And I said, okay, Dakota, thank you very much. I got to let you go so we can make room. And I saw him go dancing off. He's like, okay, cool. See you later. And then within a week or two, we were approved to get Cosmo. Developing a connection with him, I don't feel it was rocky. I guess I had to figure out how he worked best, but he had to connect with Joe and then with Jacqueline first. I think that was kind of a lesson for you to learn, to learn to step back yep. and to learn. And, and when I say animals come in and teach us all different lessons, even for the grooming salon I work out, each dog that comes in is a lesson for me to learn. It's like yeah. a little mini lesson. And I think for you is learning to take a step back. And as psychics and kids, we think we could instantly connect with something and, and we want that connection. And I think you can hear him. It just, 
my suggestion is practice like some Im yeah. images for him. And sometimes it might be a delay. Like if you want to have him sit, sit this image of him sitting or talk to him, he can't hear you. He pretend he's also saying he pretends like he doesn't hear you. He does. He has what we call selective hearing. So he does I, fully understand you. Yeah, I understand we've got to work on our relationship and that yeah. was part of it because I'm like you and that I will observe and I don't feel like I can just go busting into the room with all of the answers because that's not right. That's not true. Yeah. But say somebody comes to you and they say, I've got a new animal around me. What would be some first steps you would recommend to them in order to establish a relationship oh, or communication with them? I'm hearing what my guides are telling me. See, the first thing to establish is trust, especially if you get an animal that's from a shelter or rescue. Trust is the first thing and just be very patient with them. Be very slow with them. Don't push their boundaries. Like if you pet your cat and the cat decides to walk away, respect that say, okay, and I'll go sit down and you'll still send them love and mental images and if they have a favorite food give them their favorite food and just build up that bond and trust and it may take some time Mike and I were bond almost instantly but our real hard relationship did take some time because he was abandoned by somebody and so he needed to know that I wasn't going to abandon him I wasn't going to run away and so yeah. it did take some time so time is the best thing is be patient and then you can slowly send him love and do fun things together take him on a nice little walk it doesn't have to be the dog park just yeah. a simple walk or simple something they really like to get motivated i also always recommend too like if you go for a dog if you get a certain breed do some research on that particular breed learn what what their behavioral things are what were they originally bred to do for example a labrador retriever was bred to go in water and swim and retrieve things so that kind of helps you understand what they were bred for so understands why they might do certain things like for example like yorkies and schnauzers all of them were bred to go after rats and vermin right. so that's why they're a little feistier than most breeds so you have to kind of understand why they do certain things. And it really helps, especially for myself, even as a groomer, understanding where they come from. It's like their culture of who they are and even in cats and, and respecting their body language. And I also feel like our animals are guides and angels and spirits and other things in form, but they came here to experience what it's like to be a cat or a dog or a horse or a rat or something. So you have to understand how that particular animal communicates and stuff. So you, I highly recommend watching like the dog whisperer or my crazy cat from hell with Jackson Galaxy. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's I've never heard stuff. of that one. Oh, oh Jackson Galaxy is great. I saw him a couple years ago. He's a really interesting man. He's a rock musician. He worked at a animal hospital and helped cats with their behavior. It was like Caesar Milan, but for cats. Okay. And it's really interesting because he learned about cat behaviors, like the blinking and how to in introduce other cats to each other. And, and my cat doesn't have that severe problems or issues, but I understand his body language more. He's the first cat I've ever lived with. I've never had a cat before him and I've, I've had him for 13 years now and he's great yeah, but watching yeah. those shows have really helped me and even when I got my dog I learned how to introduce them properly so that there's less issues there was a series when we were working on getting a dog following puppies like from birth to a certain age it would talk about the different breeds and it was not yeah. just dogs it was also cats these were breeders who had these dogs so you're looking at the non-mutt mixes that was really enlightening because they would sit there and go oh no wait for him to do this ball thing and yeah. they would watch it and so yeah, I think it's really important to know you can't just kind of, oh, yes, I want that puppy in the window because that's not yeah. matching the person and, and the animal. Yeah. It's a big issue for myself. And I see it on a daily basis working as a groomer and working at a veterinary hospital. And I saw it working at the Renaissance Festival. Um, the horses I worked with there were all rescues. They were the big 2,000 pound draft horses. And some people got them thinking they're going to be easy going horses, not much, very slazy and very slow. What people don't understand is we see them as farm horses that pull the plows, but way, way back in the 
like hundreds of years ago, they were bred for war and for jousting. Pergeron's Clydesdales. That's why if you watch the movie Brave with the Scottish girl, she's riding Clydesdale because that's what they used back then. That's what they were bred to do. And so they have a lot more energy in get-go than people realize they would get overwhelmed and just dump these horses. And I worked at a horse farm and people dump cats because they think they're fun little kittens when they grow up. They're not as cute and fun anymore. And with yeah. the, we also yeah. had dogs that would be dumped on the horse, the farm. People would get like hounds and all sorts of great Danes and they would drive out the country and dump them. It drives me crazy, but people never do their research. I see all the time people get Samoyas and not realize how big they get. I worked at a grooming salon once and I was grooming a full grown Samoya on my table and this young couple were picking up their Samoya puppy. It was almost like right time, right place kind of thing that way for them oh, to sure. understand. But but they picked up the Samoya puppy and they looked at my table and saw this big full grown Samoya. The Samoyas are big, white, fluffy dogs. And there's there's hair all over the floor because this dog was, it was, it was like springtime. So the dog was shedding yeah. and they're like, what kind of dog is that? And we're like, that's a Samoya. Part of us wanted to laugh because we're like, oh my God, like, like the, the couple of faces went pale white. They were speechless. One of my coworkers is like, well, yours might get a little bigger because yours is a boy and this is a girl. And I'm just like, oh my God. So he made it even worse. And it's kind of funny, but at the same time, it's also really sad too yeah. that they had no clue what they were getting. And I see it all the time. And a lot of people get these poodle mixes. And, and I just want to put that out there. I have no problem with any of the breeds, any of the dogs. I think they're all fantastic. However, I think there's certain breeds that shouldn't go to the average person just right. because there's more to them. Like for example, German Shepherds. I love German Shepherds. They're amazing dogs, but they're highly intelligent and they're bred to guard sheep and herd sheep. So that's why they're very protective. And if you don't step up and really train them and give them a job, they can become neurotic and crazy. It's, yeah. it's like a genius that doesn't get to be do what he's meant to do. They become insane because yeah. they have all this pinned up energy. And the German Shepherds that come in, they get all the training they need. They get the stimulation, been well socialized. They are the best dogs I've ever met. I used to groom a retired police dog that was a German Shepherd and he was fantastic. But then we have another German Shepherd come in that doesn't get to do any of that. And he becomes kind of dangerous. He, he becomes aggressive and it's not his fault. It's not right. any of the dog's fault. And a lot of people get these poodle mixes, not understanding how to groom them. They don't understand the care for them. And I dematted a severely matted doodle last week. It came out the huge long pelt off oh, this wow. poor dog because the people had no clue how to groom this dog. And they had no clue. This dog was actually really suffering. He couldn't move because he was so so right. matted, but they were clueless. That's also part of what I think kind of my sole mission here too, is to help people find the right pet and be honest with yourself. Don't just think, oh, I'll, I'll change my ways. Like if you're oh. not a runner now, chances are you're not going to be a runner if you get this particular dog and you can, you can tell yourself, oh yeah, I'll do this. I'll change. No. But really be honest with yourself. It's like I said, I wanted a Husky and I'm being honest with myself. I don't run. I'm not going to run. And that's not what I want to do. And also I right. used to want a Newfoundland realizing those get dogs get to be a hundred pounds. They're huge. It's a lot of hair. And as they get older, they also have a lot of health issues. And with working at a veterinary hospital, I'm very blessed to work at this veterinary hospital because I've learned a whole new side of things. And veterinarians are amazing, amazing yeah. people that they've managed to get through veterinary school. It's like medical school for animals. They have to learn all these different animals yeah. and they come in and they do all these amazing things and they get very little appreciation from a lot of people. I've noticed sometimes they don't even see them as real doctors because they don't work with people 
school, but they work so hard and they're so passionate. They're not trying to sell you something. They're not trying to make money off of you. Yes, there are some vets who do that, but there are also some human doctors that do that too. So you can't single out. A lot of us pet care people, we work so hard for your animals and we get very little appreciation. As a dog groomer, you always hear about the bad stories about the bad groomers and the ones that abuse the dogs. And like I said, just like with every industry, there's there's the bad people. But right. majority of us who are in it, we truly love your animals. And when you bring your animals in to be euthanized, we cry too. Actually, I remember oh, the yeah. first time at the vet and usually they don't cry in front of you because they're trying to hold it in and be professional. They don't want to yeah. ruin your yeah. moment. But a lot of times when you're saying your last goodbyes and the vet's on the other side of the door, they're yeah. holding back tears because it's hard for them too. And my groom clients, they've had to, they've crossed over this past year and it hurts because it's like you build up this little relationship and kind of going back to the vet clinic, I've learned a lot about, as I get side, I'm severely ADD sometimes. So I get very sidetracked <laughs> with, with things. And I have so much thoughts in my head that come through, but anyway, same with the with dogs, like learning about the age wise and like with Newfoundlands, they have a lot of health issues as they get older. Yeah. And that's one thing people need to understand too, what is going to happen to this dog when they get older. And can you, and if this dog can't move like, like a hundred pound Mastiff, can you move this dog if he can't move or do you need help? Yeah. Like Mastiff, I love, there's a Mastiff that comes to my work and she's like 120 some pounds, but that's way too big of a dog for me, realistically. Cause like, if something happened, I can barely pick up my 70 pound lab, let alone a big Mastiff like that. And, or yeah. if like for training wise, if something happened, can I handle this dog? That's what happened so, with her Doberman. He, he lived to 12, which was great for a dog his size. There was that point where we thought, oh, okay, quality of life. Hmm, he can't walk. Yeah. That's not great. So yeah. yeah. Oh, can pets reincarnate? Yes, they can. Animals. And that, I'm sorry. Can animals, animals. reincarnate? <laughs> yes, that's the, actually, that's the one thing I've really learned. And I'm still kind of learning this process. When I first started doing readings that I noticed that was an issue. And, I, and I've, I've noticed in my readings, it happens a lot more than people realize what, and, the, and this is like, as I'm growing and learning, this is the process. I'm still kind of learning this process and I find it fascinating. As I mentioned, there's the thing called familiars, our animal spirits, our animal guides. And this is where I'm recently learning is there, they come into our lives at the very beginning. They, I think they come in when our souls are, are created pretty much. And they're not just with us this lifetime, they're with us multiple lifetimes. Actually, I'll, I'll tell you a story in a sec for, for my dog about that. I, I feel like when animals come in as our familiars, and you can have more than one, you can have several. I, I, according to the people I've talked to, I have a whole menagerie of animals around me constantly, yeah. but I'm so used to it. I don't think about it. And I, like when I do my meditations, I feel all sorts of like lions and tigers and gorillas and a gorilla showed up in one of my activations one time. I like, okay, it seemed very random. <laughs> <laughs> to me, but like it was a big silverback gorilla that showed up. It was from multiple lifetimes because I've had multiple lifetimes as an animal person, even all the way back from Lemurian times. I know I was in Lemuria and I know I did something oh, yeah. special with the animals. But anyway, kind of going back to the animals. Yes, I feel like they do come back. And I first came to realize it when I, like my second fair I was doing, one of my friends mentioned that his cat had passed away and he wanted his cat to come back. My friend Jeffrey, I mentioned his cat had just come back. They actually went to the shelter and their cat did a soul swap with this other cat. And I thought that's oh. interesting. Cats go to their own heaven called cat world. Apparently Jeff has mentioned about it. It's just where the cats go and so they're collective and they learn about being kitty 
ladies and they come back and as I said, cats are their own unique individuals. Even my, my, the vest say they're from another planet, which I lack. Cause I think there's some truth to that. As you oh. get to know. They're, they're very interesting, but anyway, so I said, that's an interesting concept. But then it all of a sudden, like it hit me like a lightning struck me down right then. Um, I realized that Lucy, my dog was one of my rats in this lifetime. I used to have pet rats oh. and I realized, and I realized that because my other friend, Kelly Kelleher would always call her Lily. And I couldn't figure out why does she always want to call her Lily? And Kelly's also not me, me a different Kelly. I have to put that out there. So I'm not speaking third person. Um, she would say, I always wanted to call my dog Lily. And she's also a medium, very connected. And I was like, why does she always want to call her Lily? Because my dog's name is Lucy. I thought, well, maybe this is a mistake. And then it hit me. She was Lily, my little pet rat. I had oh. She was a little white rat with black curl eyes. She was beautiful. And I went home that night and I said, are you Lily? And she got super excited. Like, yes, you recognized me. And that's when I realized it hit me. And then I noticed the connection with a lot of the readings I started doing. It's like, as I said, I feel like when I get readings from people, it's also for me to learn and grow and understand things more. And I learned that I like our familiars that are with us multiple times. And I've seen it several readings where like, this is your dog and as your childhood, this was your cat as a childhood, or this was a cat and now he's a dog and vice versa. And so my understanding is when your familiars come in, they come in the first time to observe or whatever. And they're here to teach you a specific lesson at that time. And when that lesson is done, that's when they cross over. And it could be any time. It could be 12 years. It could be six months. Every lesson is different. Everything has a different time frame. As I said, I'm so not fully understanding this, but they, they cross over, they go back to wherever they go, they get the next lesson. And when they're ready, they come back and that's what they do. And then they're on for the next lesson. That's why sometimes they might act slightly different than before. And, and sometimes you can figure that out. If you call them by their name, they'll recognize the name and they get excited. And then kind of taking a step back, talk about the past lives. I'm also starting to realize as my gifts grow, I can connect with animals from their past lives. Cool. Um, when, I, when my friends has a little Bichon, I realized he was a cat in another life. I told him it was big white Persian, like Himalayan type of cat. And for myself, I found it with my dog. My dog, Lucy's my main familiar. He has a I have two physical familiars right now. I have my cat. He's like a little domestic short hair striped cat. And then I have my black lab, Lucy kind of, she's the one really showing me my gifts and how they communicate. And last year I found out that I was in a past life. I was Annie Oakley. And oh, cool. My, my sure, friend really sure. channeled that to me. And um, I was like, oh, that's interesting. So I started learning about her and who she was and found out she was a huge dog person. So I'm like, yeah, she was definitely me. <laughs> And she had this one dog named Dave. He was like a Springer Spaniel or something like that, or a, some type of gun dog. His name was Dave. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. I was l- learning about him and they, she took him everywhere to her. And I was just like, that's interesting. And that night I went home and I sat on the floor of my bedroom and I went to Lucy and I said, I said, hi, Dave. Same thing. She got super excited. Like I recognize her. And I said, Dave, like it was, I'd never seen her. And she only gets really that excited when I recognize things. And she's like, she's like, I got it. So that's when I really she's been with me multiple multiple lifetimes and that was the one proof I had like wow okay and my cat has been too my cat talks to me but he's more like you have to ask him to get answers and he's very broad like he, he doesn't he doesn't go into great details with things cats. And, yeah he's a cat he's he's and, and he was also one of my rats though I just found that out last year he didn't tell me it's like he's more like yeah that was me and it was like he doesn't he doesn't get as excited because I, I had I, when I had Lily I also had another rat named Uno this little brown rat I was, was really close with and I kept thinking well I wonder if she's ever going to come back and then once again like I was sitting in meditation and it hit me like oh wait Yuki my cat was Una 
And he's like, yeah. And and the funny part is, I I don't think it clicked with me because my one rat, two rats were females, and he's a male. And I was like, oh, I get it. He came in as a male because when I when she was a female, she gave birth to eleven babies. I got her when she was pregnant. This, oh, this okay. And so she he came in as a male because he did not want to get knocked up again. <laughs> He, he wanted to be, he didn't want to have that, that risk. And as a boy, you don't have to worry about that. That but is so it, reassuring to know that I can call Cosmo by our previous dog's name. And my kids look at me like, duh, mom, you're so weird. It's like, yeah, thank you for reassuring me. I'm and I think we, we all know that we all, that's why we go. And I do think our animals come to us. It's not by chance. It's not by, right. they, they do plan. Even if you go through like a breeder, yeah. I still think that they come into you when they are ready. And both of my animals came in at the most perfect time. And you can call your animals in. You can call exactly what you want. Yeah. My cat is the perfect example of that. So I'm just like, he's so cute right now. He's on it. He's completely passed out on the outdoor patio chair. Sorry. I'm, I'm, I love my pets. They're, they're my babies, but um, yeah. anyway. So they're like soul family. They are. They, they are. They are. They're. They're definitely soul family. And and my, my cat. I called in um, about thirteen years ago. I said I never had a cat. I always wanted a cat. My parents were not cat people. They saw them as these antisocial, nasty little animals that pee on everything and scratch everything. And I never saw them that way. When I worked at the horse farm, I became friends with all of the barn cats and they were great. They would come hang yeah. out with us and be super sweet. They just want to be with you. And even as a kid, I always really wanted a cat. Any place that would have cats, I'd go play with the cats. I'm like, these are awesome animals. During a um, Astara ritual, which is like a pagan holiday, yeah. we were coloring Easter eggs. And I like to write wishes on my eggs. Oh. And it's a great way to to kind of yeah. manifest your dreams and a star is about growth and fertility and that's a great way and I knew I was going to get a cat really soon so I wrote down on this little egg everything I wanted with a cat every little detail and about a month later my fiance and I, at the time we went to the we went to the Humane Society and we we went this particular day and we went to all the different rooms you go in the shelter it's so hard to pick somebody because yeah. they all know you're there to take somebody home they all so badly just want to go home even if they're not supposed to be with you right sometimes they're so desperate to get out of the shelter they'll go with anybody so I walked around the shelter and I finally went into this little small room with the cats. They walk around and they're not in cages. They're free roaming. And you walk in, that's the hardest room to walk in. So they put the friendliest and loving cats in there. So you walk in there and like half dozen cats all come up to you at once and they play the, Hey, take me home. And they fight with each other there to get your attention. I was leaning over and petting this one cat and this one cat jumped on my back and my fiance had to pull him off and he jumped on my back again. And I started holding him and he just started purring. I'm like, I think this is my cat. Yeah. So we took him into this small little room and the shelter staff were like, man, he's really working he stood right between us and purring all happy and his name was tigger and i was like oh he's gonna be yuki yeah. it's from the anime fruits basket so yeah one of my favorite animes he's been my cat like 13 years later he's still with me and he's wow. the best cat i could ever ask for he's super sweet and loving he loves people uh-huh. he's an unusually social cat he stayed at my brother's house once for something i went in to go pick him up they were having a party that night and he was walking around there were probably like 10 some people there and he was walking around saying hi to everybody not a normal cat thing. No, he was no, saying hi not. to everybody, saying, Hey, I'm Yuki, I'm here. And I walked in, and they're like, Your cat's really friendly. Like, they were kind of scared of him because he was so friendly because they were all dog people. They're not used yeah. to such a oh, yeah. friendly cat. But he really gave me that that push, and he's really helped me. And he's more of a guardian for me than he does help me with the spiritual stuff. But when I finally came into my gifts and could hear him, he's like, Finally. But now, <laughs> now I look back, he was always saying things like, he could say, I'd pet him, he'd, I'd hear magic fingers or magic. And it's because when I pet him, he just likes the healing I do on him because I also I'm also Reiki trained I'm also a natural healer so he likes that part 
He, his main job is also keeping any bad stuff away. Cats, when they walk around at three in the morning, that's usually they're clearing the energy. They're clearing yeah. things away. And that's oh. why. Okay. That's why they run. That's why they run at three in the morning. It's not to be annoying. It's just, they said it's on the witching hour. They said to speak. And that's why they right. come at three in the morning. And that's why they're usually more nocturnal than they are. Oh. It's also for their 3D job is to go after the, the small vermin. And that's when right. they are more active too. Yeah. And then so, for my dog, I got her two months afterwards. I was out with my horrible boyfriend and we we're driving around and he all of a sudden had to go to the bathroom and we just stopped at the shopping center we normally stop at. And there was a pet store there and I'm not a pet store person. I usually don't get a dog from a pet store and we were planning on getting a dog. I walked into this pet store and there was this little black lab puppy. Everything inside me said, you need to take this dog home. She ended up being Lucy and the best animal. And I realized I called both of them in and Lucy's the dog I've always won my whole childhood. The dog that would follow me everywhere and just be my best buddy. And she's great. She loves going to places. She loves going to mystical wares, this metaphysical store. Yeah. She loves walking around, seeing things. She's just such a great, great dog. That's another thing I want to help people call in the animals that are for them. Because you right. told, it's a like law of attraction. You can totally call in the animals you want. Yeah. Sometimes it might take longer than you're expecting, but it will happen. Well, that's where divine alignment comes in. Oh, yeah. Maybe the dog's not ready yet or you're not ready. Yeah. And so I've had an experience. Can pets take on an owner's physical ailments? Yes. Yes, they can. And that's, a, that's one thing. They also take on your energy. That's kind of one of their jobs is to take on some extra energy and help you relieve some of that stress. But for, but that's where it's our jobs to help them relieve that stress and that energy. That's where taking walks and playing with them and petting them is so in, important. But if you don't, sometimes they do take on your stresses and illnesses. I noticed last year with the whole craziness of the pandemic, a lot of animals have come in really sick or had to be crossed over and then because they were so overwhelmed with everything and the people had had no way to release their tension. Right. So, you know, they, they can, sometimes my dog will get really sore because she's taken on my, my emotions. And I wouldn't tell people, don't feel bad. Don't feel guilty. It's not your fault. However, you do need to do things to help them release that, yeah. that energy. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. I mean, we, yeah. uh, the dog has helped us walk more yeah. and get out there. I realize there are some days he's like, this isn't for me, you know, this is for you. And, <laughs> but he will find the water along the inner urban trail and go splashing through it, which means he yeah. gets to get rinsed off afterwards because sometimes yeah. the water's kind of gross. Cool. Oh um, yeah. And getting back to there for wild animals that we kind of got so much from. I can hear wild animals. That's one oh. thing I am growing. Sorry, I mentioned that. We, we kind of talked about that for a briefly, brief moment. Cool. So I am start, yeah, yeah. I'm starting to be able to hear wild animals, but there is kind of weird. Like they come in through me telepathically. It's the same thing. Sometimes I, I usually hear sentences. I don't really get a lot of pictures. I get sentences or feelings. And if I'm walking in the woods, I can feel eyes on me and stuff. And I can, I can feel the deer's image and, and motion. Yesterday I was driving into my little complex and the sprinklers were going off and the crows like to gather because then they can get cleaned and go get food because the worms come up. And I saw this crow that looked kind of, he didn't look too great. And like, he looked almost sick. And then I heard this, I'm molting. <laughs> and it's very firm. Like he was not happy with what I was thinking. I realized he was very offended that I said something. He was very, I'm molting. And <laughs> oh my God, that's so funny. <laughs> and, I, and I just cracked up. I'm like, then yesterday, this is, I said, I really, my guests are growing with the wild animals. I was at my friend Jeff and Billy's house yesterday and they had this bird feeder and this little squirrel. It was sneaking in and getting food and Billy ran off to chase them off so the first can eat. And I heard he's like, oh shit, I got caught. And he ran, <laughs> ran off and ran on the tree. And I was sitting there and I hear him say like, I got chased away <laughs> and, and stuff. Then about a month ago, I went whale watching with some friends and we saw the orca and I got to hear 
the orca and I can hear the conversation and talk about a very spiritual aware animal they're very aware of everything and I know I've had a lot of aquatic lifetimes where I've been in the water and stuff like that as a mermaid and so forth and I'm very very connected with the orca and the whales and my next adventure I want to do for myself to see where I've grown I want to go down to a zoo or something and see who I can connect with I'm waiting to I wait until it gets cooler out because it's still too hot. Yeah. I don't want to go out when it's like 90 degrees. Because they're not so, going to be out either. No. But, so, but, but speaking about wild animals, the animals that have been affected by wildfires, is there anything you can say? They're, they're actually okay. They're fine. I, lo- I know as humans, we want to feel bad for them and feel sorry, but they know what to do. They know exactly where to go. They know how to say, they, they want to remind us that a lot of times as humans, we feel sorry for wild animals and we feel bad. While this is them coming through too, they want to remind us that they're survivors. They've been around for centuries. I mean, how many times are coyotes and deer around our houses and we don't even see them so they're they'll be just fine they know how to adapt they've learned through their ancestors and i've also learned animals also have their own guides and their own protector too i've seen them at the vet clinic um when an animal crosses a cat crossed over a few months ago i actually felt his guide standing next to him was a really cool experience i was i was allowed to see that so i realized that they have their own like i said they're here for their own assignments too and wild animals i'm still kind of learning what their purpose is and and i think some of them are observers some of them are just kind of the housekeeper of the earth i mean they all also have their own agendas and that's the that's the my next adventure of learning is the wild animals and how they really connect so i'm also learning with zoos like not to feel so sorry for those animals yeah. because they're here they're because at part of us we want to feel sorry for them because they're in closures and cages and i'm learning that they're there to be ambassadors for their species because up until the last 10 20 years zoos have got a lot better i mean and, and every zoo is different but if you go to a really good zoo like the columbus zoo in ohio is fantastic they really try to educate people and really help save a lot of species where people can go see these animals. I mean, yes, they're in captivity and it's sad, but they're also helping their wild brothers and sisters stay wild and, and so forth. And, and animals, wild animals can adapt a lot faster and they can recover a lot faster. Look at last year when things shut down, how the dolphins are going through, uh, was it Vienna or one of the, or not Vienna, but the, the Italy, was Venice? it? Venice, yeah, Venice. They're going through Venice. The deer were wandering around the cities. I mean, I don't think we affect them as much as we think we do. So, so. When, when there's developments around and you see an influx of animals, they're just feels like they're just trying to figure out where they need to be. Or yeah, I mean, there's a little confusion at first. It's probably like when yeah. an ant hill is destroyed and they go like, "Oh my god!" and they panic and they run everywhere around. But if you come back a few weeks later, it's back there. It's fine. It's, it's just that they they've learned to adapt and they've done it their whole life. And it sucks that we are taking up a lot of their land and a lot of their stuff but I said they've learned to adapt I mean I was in Seattle and Magnolia and I saw a coyote in the neighborhood not a place yeah. you think you see a coyote there's been stories of um of mountain lions and cougars in Magnolia and Discovery Park so it shows that they've adapted fine you just don't see them wild animals they're incredibly good at shielding themselves yeah. that's yeah. why you can be you can drive down the street and all of a sudden see a deer you think you'd be able to see a deer of how big they are and you're like oh my god there's a deer like how did I not see that and I realized oh they shielded themselves so we can't see them right so, right and yeah, a lot we, of times when, when the wild animals see me and a lot of animals in general like i think i'm kind of a weird thing for them too because they're not used to, to a human that understands them because when they first see me they see my human skin and they're like you're different you're weird because like they're, they're not used to someone who can understand them and like i'll walk in the vet clinic and i'll see a dog in treatment they'll look at me like you're different <laughs> they'll stare at me and, and that's what the wild animals they look at me like you're different like there's a part of them that want to talk to me approach me but they still see the human skin and, and right. they've learned for their culture not not to engage because humans usually mean bad 
stuff yeah. and stay away from them. They're just overgrown monkeys pretty much. <laughs> but uh, but like I said, I respect that. I don't go near them. And like I said, just because I'm a pet psychic it does not mean I still respect. Um, there's wooded trails near my house. I've I've been told from my guides to stay away from there during certain times because there are coyotes, there are bobcats. And if I don't want to be on the menu or my dog be on the menu, I need to stay away. And I respect yeah. that because yeah. like I said, I'm not immune to anything. It'd be cool if I, it'd be like a Disney movie. You walk in and all the animals come up to you, but uh, realistically it's, it doesn't work that way. And I no. said, I respect that. Wow. This has been so, I mean, this <laughs> is so eye-opening. No. I share the belief that we can all do this stuff. It's just what oh, yeah. we're open to and what resonates best with us. So having somebody who is so invested in it and who understands and has devoted your life to yeah. to understanding the animals. It's pretty amazing. So thank it is. You. And I, I kind of amazed myself. I'm like, how do I know this information? Sometimes I'm like, well, how do I know this crap? I, no one ever taught me this stuff. No one ever showed it to me. And I realized it's what I've taken with me through lifetimes of knowing. And I was talking with Jeff like, last month and I did an activation. And I realized, I think one of the reasons I can understand animals so well is I think I was multiple animals in different lifetimes. I know oh. I wasn't just human. He, like he saw me as like a potential, like a lion or a, an elephant and I've been different animals and we joke around that sometimes like maybe I am a familiar of myself in human form and oh. I think about it I think there is some truth to that and Parmi says that sounds insane but I think well maybe that's why I'm so connected because I know it's not coming from eco and I'm not coming from I'm better than myself I do feel like as a pet psychic I feel like I'm more unique than others like I said it's not that I'm better than anybody and I want to put right. that out so unfortunately in this world the the metaphysical world, you see a lot of egos and like I'm good I'm best at this and that's right. not where I'm saying I'm not saying like I'm yeah, I'm better than everyone but I'm just saying like there's something about me that's more unique and connected and I'm learning more of why I'm so so connected and so different and I know I'm here to help and teach and I want people to open up more and connect with their animals because most of the time your animals are already talking to you you already know what they're saying and most of the time when people come to me it confirms to them exactly what they're feeling and, yeah. and sometimes animals are like I, I want to talk to I want to talk to the people one sec yeah sorry my batteries my computer's getting low might okay. have to run up and grab a well no, we're, we're pretty close to done okay um but, but yeah, um, eventually I want to teach classes in animal communication. Cool. I'm in the process of getting that together. Hopefully in October, November, I'll be teaching my first cool. class. It'll be at Mystical Wares in Mount Vernon. It's this cool. amazing shop run by Derek yeah. and Maureen Condit. They have a fantastic shop. It's also very pet friendly, so you can bring your dogs oh, cool. to that shop. They also do aura pictures for your pets, so you can get see what their aura colors are. I did that with my dog, Lucy. It was really fun. So so yeah, so I'll be teaching classes there eventually. It's Animal Communication 101 to help people open up with their gifts. And um, since we're kind of wrapping up, we're going to go where I'm going to be at. If you're interested in, in a reading from me, I can give you my email address. It's aromatria1, so A-R-A-M-A-T-R-I-A-1 at gmail.com. Pet Psychic and Animal Reiki with Kelly. Um, you can find it on Facebook. So I also will be doing a couple of fairs coming up. We'll be doing the Pacific Northwest Fair in Mill Creek. And then I'll be doing this Emerald Spiral Fairs. Okay. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Okay. So we can find you on Facebook and email you. And then, yeah, yeah I'm sure... Can people contact Mystical Wares to, to get an idea of when you're going to be there? Um, I'm not sure quite yet. I still have okay. to talk and figure it out. Um, just if you follow Mystical Wares events, um, okay. the, the, eventually the classes will be posted. If you click okay. on the, uh, the Mystical Wares website or the Facebook, all their events and stuff. It's a, okay. Oh. Oh, there she goes. Okay. Well, 
Kelly's battery pooped out. So I'm going to say if she comes back, great. And if she doesn't, oh, well. Thanks for talking, Kelly. And I appreciate all the stuff you gave me. My name is Susie Parker Goins, and this is Blue Lightning Healing Meditations. And until next time, blessings.